0: Welcome, or velkommen, as we would say in Norwegian, to The Nordic's Unveiled. I am Mönnest Elbjörg Singh, and I hope you will join my exploration of Nordic. From mythology and folk traditions to lyrical, melancholic, and often cautiously optimistic are only a few characters of Nordic. In a series of episodes, I will be joined by inspiring guests trying to break a few stereotypes and answer the question of what is typically Nordic? To learn more about conversations and guests, subscribe to The Nordics Unveiled on your favorite podcast provider or follow me on my Instagram, Facebook or Twitter account. This is The Nordics Unveiled. Thank you for joining me in the new episode of The Nordics Unveiled. I'm truly excited to welcome today's guest, without exaggerating, one of the most prominent people in Norwegian music life, composer Sinde Skaven Celebrated as a composer, recipient of numerous awards and accolades, highly respected journalist and music critic, and I can continue naming, Sinne was also the very first editor-in-chief of the music journal Ballade and head of culture channels at Norwegian broadcaster NRK. This year, Sinne has celebrated 70 years and she continues inspiring generations of women across the culture field, including myself. Thank you so much for joining me, Sina. You are such an inspiration to me, and I'm so happy to have you in my little studio here today, Um, particularly talking about the quite a big field of defining what the Nordic sound is. It's um, not very clear to me even what actually the Nordic sound is, and I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about it. So maybe we should just dive into it. And I'm going to ask you first, um, what would you define as Nordic?
1: Well, first of all, there are certainly no one answer to it, or any easy answers to it, but um, maybe, let's put it like this, if you come from Europe to Copenhagen, Mm -hmm. to Denmark, then you come to Scandinavia, the north. When you come from Oslo to Copenhagen, then you come to Europe. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So there is something, you know, uh, there is um, there is some kind of uh, border there. And then you have, if you come also from Oslo to Stockholm or Helsinki for that part, mm. or Reykjavik, not, not Reykjavik, but at least Copenhagen and Stockholm, you see... Um, the the um, the sort of the the rich north where the rich north has been before the oil came to norway of course yeah. <laughs> and of we course. became norrish yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, you can see it in the architecture um, um which is quite continental actually mm. so that is sort of the landscape and then and and, and finland and and iceland they are also part of the north but they are sort of finland takes us into the East, mm-hmm. I'm sure that you, just as I, and especially as a violinist, <laughs> uh, identify with Sibelius, yes. mm-hmm. the sound of Sibelius, mm-hmm. as do I. And when you go to Reichavik, you sort of, that's our heritage in a way. Mm-hmm. They are very modern, but they are also very, very, very old. They have even the language. and all. So that's, that's the sort of geographical way of putting it. But then, um, maybe if we take a compo- this the sound of music. Then, if you take the modern music, if you take Arne Noreen, mm-hmm. um, who used to be in Norway, sort of the picture itself of modernism. You know, <laughs> yes. for people who hate the new music, you know, he was sort of the monster. Uh, whereas. If you looked at him from Europe or from outside of the North, then they would always say, "Oh, but he is so—he has this romantic Northern <laughs> uh, flavor, you know, and sound to him." You That's know, they funny. didn't hear yeah. him as a modernist at all. No. So, to me, also, Arne Nordheim is a very—he uh, has a very Northern klang.
0: Mm. Definitely. And how would you kind of characterize the northern part of it? What does it make it? What makes it northern? I mean, there is something in the um,
1: the word Romanticism. Hmm. Definitely. There are very few true modernists in at least Norway. I could mention a few, but they are really very few. The Most of the Norwegian composers that we are still, if not in the shadow of a grig, <laughs> mm-hmm. or trying to get away from the shadow of a um, uh, um, I'm not a sociologist, and uh, I am not an anthropologist, and I can't, but there is something, of course, in... Um, the seasons, mm. the light, uh, the big changes in nature and in time, space. Um, we are rather dramatic. <laughs> also it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, there's something, something, and, melan- and the melancholy is also very important, I think, mm-hmm. to the northern sound. But then it's again, if we, if we take it sort of... Further from um, the classical music uh, and the modern music and go back to the folk music, um, I remember when I was a student in Vienna, I had a very good friend, uh, an Afro-American bass player, Jimmy Woody, and I wanted to uh, have fun with him one day, so I put on a um, one of those small EPs, also the, what are they call <laughs> The small records, like, you know, yeah, that yeah, use yeah. that. Like a cassette. Uh, with um, uh, what we call kulok in Norwegian <laughs> folk music, also call, calling in the herds, calling in the cow, right. singing to the cows. Uh, and I put it on and I said, um, uh, Jimmy, what do you think this is? And he was listening and then he said, or where do you think this comes from? Yeah. And he really had no suspicions because I didn't usually go around talking about Norwegian music and stuff like that, you know? Right. So he said, he was listening and then he was wondering and he said, could it be West African? Oh,
0: really? How interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And
1: that is, um, mm. yeah, well, that was uh, quite astonishing, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but with his ears, when he mm. just sat listening to it, you know, not knowing the language and not anything. You know.
0: Anyway. But I have to say, I, I grew up with the uh, Hirloch, you know, that was a big part yes. of culture in Waldorf. And I don't think most people have heard it. But no. can you do a, a Lok for us now? No, I don't no? You know, I, I <laughs> no. usually
1: say that uh, I, I became a composer because I don't have the nerves to be a performer. No <laughs> 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 so no, I can't do that. but um mm-hmm. I will also say that um, another um, an Austrian composer, a colleague of mm-hmm. mine, he said just a few years ago he said that he was so envious mm-hmm. with us for the Norwegian folk music. Oh really? And oh. that was especially also with the vocal music. Mm. He said um, uh, so that we this this, uh, this this way of singing mm. that he found in Norwegian folk music, he found mm. it so. And he's he's a modernist, yeah. really. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, the, the 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 way I was singing, the the sound of the music mm. uh, was so beautiful to him. So he's he was envious of me.
0: It is quite special though, isn't it, with kveing and this kind of tonality which you project. It's kind of like, we call it like a bit of uh, rose paint on it, you know, all the decorations, Mm. but also the scales are interesting. It's, I mean, we are used to a certain normal scale and then with folk music in particular Dangenfiedl, you know, you can... All of a sudden you're a completely different place. Yeah. (laughs) And you can tune the Dangenfiedl, I think up to 27 different ways, Mm. which means the Mm. scales are just, you know, all over, Mm. (laughs) but Mm. it gives a very, I think that gives a big richness to the harmonics Absolutely. and, uh, but it's, it, I think it's very interesting to hear this about someone outside of the Nordic region, how they hear it, think yeah. about it. And I wonder, you know, we, we spoke a bit about, um, you know, of course in, for in many people's minds, I think Edward Grieg is really the, you know, the sound you connect Norway the most with, yeah. but what do you think the sound of Norway is today?
1: Well, today it is so diverse Uh and thank god for that so uh, it is um today you can in a way uh write exactly um the music you like i think if you're not uh, into maybe just the strict school uh, being a student i Mm -hmm. don't know but um uh, f- so um, if you take, for instance, uh, a composer that you know very well, Lasse Tordissen, mm-hmm. the way he has been using the folk music yeah. is really reshaping it Also using all the things that you mentioned now, you know, uh, but in a very modern way yeah. and also finding a way to notate it, because, of course, uh, when Grieg was uh, doing his um, folk music, a lot of lot of nuances uh, were not there yeah. anymore. So that is very interesting. So that is um, that is maybe the the best example of how to to um, continue um, and no, so that is Norwegian then. So mm-hmm. this. I didn't answer your question really (laughs) when you first put it to me because uh, Northern is so many things. I was uh,
0: just thinking mm -hmm. about what you said about how the geographical difference is being experienced as opposed to when you come to Copenhagen and you think, mm. oh, this is in the Nordic, this is Scandinavia. Mm. And us coming down, I mean, I say down from mm. Norway, going to Denmark, that was the big, you know, the, the, you were on the continent, you, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. it's, we all yeah. had, we came with the boat, you know, <laughs> <laughs> or the train, yeah, uh, and all of a sudden you were in Europe. Yeah. yeah. But do you think that being maybe not as, Connected to the what you say, mainland Europe, uh, as we were up the north, would have shaped also how the expression is. Do you Absolutely. think it's more free, more Definitely. open, wilder, maybe? Absolutely. Yeah. This uh, I find it also quite interesting to see nowadays composers being more aware of, you know, you can have either you want to have a message behind what it's political or let's say environmental, Mm. (laughs) like for instance, also trying to capture also the sound of the um, nature in the music. Mm. It's very fascinating to Mm. see how it's being used. Mm. But I um, wanted to ask you, I know you also were for a long time in uh, Vienna, weren't you? Yes, I started started there for four very formative years from when I was 19 to 24 23 mm-hmm.
1: because at the time and um, and that was good for me
0: mm-hmm.
1: we still didn't have um uh, composition uh, courses uh, on the university level oh really okay so it, that came in 73 yeah. yeah uh so I had scholarships and loans from the state and everything to go to Vienna and I think when you're 19 and you get that chance of, of um, you know, when there are no strings attached mm. yet, mm. you know, um, those years were very, very important. And, and I think also it's just to get the opportunity when you're so young to see your own culture and your own country from the outside. Mm. Um, it's Necessary. Yeah. Oh, it's very necessary. <laughs> you know, it's uh, something that I would
0: uh, wish for many people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you became um, director of the music channels at NRK, did you feel like it was open that you could um, schedule anything you wanted when it came to music, for instance, contemporary music? Was it easy oh, to be able to get it in? Yeah. So
1: It was why I started to work <laughs> yeah. there right. uh, since... Um, uh, naturally, being a composer myself and very active in the different sort of um, organizing parts of the music life since I came back very young. And a critic also. Mm. I was a critic for 10 years. Um it doesn't also it was very conservative then. It is not so conservative anymore. Thank mm. God for that. But um I still have it like this, if I'm going to sit down and listen to uh, the great works from the um, classic era, at least they have to be very good. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, after a while, when you've heard them so many times, Uh, (laughs) the same works, because you know, the canon is, uh, I mean, one could also... I think programming, uh, you know, be more curious about other works in the mm-hmm. history and not only the same works all the time. But yes, when I started in the, but uh, they had very skilled people in the music department mm-hmm. of the NRK then, so uh, I didn't have to to fight in the music department, you know. Um, and, but of course, uh, and we didn't have, to, uh, then we didn't have to fight um, the, the leaders of the, also the editors of the channel either because they were really on our side.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they started then the three channel, also with three different channels, uh, radio channels. Uh, and uh, the channel where we were situated was called the cultural channel channel. And we started commissioning works, and they had th- that. We didn't start it. They had been doing it, but maybe we did it with a little bigger fervor. Um, anyway, it's not very much left of that now. That's a pity. And I agree. so they have gone the opposite way from the musical life itself, mm-hmm. because the musical life today, it's they are more inventive now, both with the way they. They organize the concert and with the repertory. And maybe it is because, um, also we are still not where I would like us to be, but it is better. <laughs> yeah. um, maybe since so much of the classical music life has fallen out of the medias mm. so that it has become sort of a, a, um, a sort of life and and world of its own. It has never been so highly skilled and so interesting, and so many people also visiting the concert. Mm-hmm. But it is not, that is not reflected mm-hmm. in Emilias. Mm-hmm. And maybe they have realized in some way that they have somehow brought this about a little bit themselves by insisting on doing so much old art. Because yes. uh, the 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 genres that are being written about and being uh, visible mm-hmm. in the media, there are new books, mm-hmm. new films, yes. new popular music. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. no classical music yeah. or hardly any. At least it is like this yeah. in our uh, in Oslo. Yeah. Mm.
0: It's such a pity, I think, because in many ways um, the artists of today who are out and performing, and I have to say for myself also, I find I think it's so important that we represent our time, that mm. we also represent what's happening, what is the the current state, mm. uh, and it's just I think that's so important to. Fight a bit for it, and you have the voices of—I mm. um, mean, just to have the composer there live. You know, it's a, it's such mm. a luxury in many ways because you can actually talk about the music in such a different way than having to l- rely only on traditions or guesses, which more often than not is the case. You noticed, it can
1: things, mm. actually be a part of creating the music, <laughs> right? Which is the you know best way <laughs> because that is yeah. that is what it is all about. Yeah. So I've been saying sometimes to some of our our, um, classical performers that they are in a way surfing. If if they are not uh, cooperating with composers and insisting on playing masterworks from the history, Mm. then they are actually surfing on um, earlier generations of musicians who have done this work,
0: Mm.
1: who have worked together with the composers. Mm. Uh, and that's not fair, mm. you know. And it's not good for themselves. I'm, I'm sure they would have, they would maybe experience something new, mm. yes. you know, and different. Yes, and and first of all, it is so fruitful. I mean, to to work together, it's mm. that's what it's all about. That is what is fun.
0: Oh, I agree so much. And I think also the, you know, when you interpret someone's work, just having a few. Even it can be like keywords, but it can totally change what it sounds like because Mm. you color it differently or you have a different expression or you kind of how you take the material into your hands can vary Mm. so much, just on Mm. a few, few different um, syllables even. (laughs) And And of course mm. that is what Mm. classical music is about. So Mm. one can do that with the old
1: works and one should do that with the old works and one should of course not stop playing old music, classical Mm. music and Mm. masterworks. Mm. No, I mean, we are lucky to have them, (laughs) but, but the, the. One has to do both. Mm. One has to also do the new works. And for a composer, um, dead or alive, uh, um, he or she does not know everything about her own music. Mm. It takes a musician to show it, what is there. And the best thing that can happen to a composer is to work with musicians where they bring out something that you didn't know was there. <laughs> because mm. as a composer you are often very you know focused on some things and you mm-hmm. and um, and they are and, and it's producing you know noise, <laughs> music, <laughs> sounds, things, ideas that you're not maybe aware of yourself, yourself even. Yeah. It is, it is there, but you, you, you don't hear it or see it until a musician comes and says, wow, but listen to this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the composer may think, yeah. wow, did I write this? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that brilliant part, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that, is, that yeah. is the cooperation that yeah. must always take place between performer and composer. And, um, and when one discovers the joy of that, uh, you know, life becomes much more
0: interesting. <laughs> Did you discover early on to work with? Um, uh, not early performing? enough. Oh, uh, so
1: yeah. my advice to young composers is always get out of your working studio and start working with performers as <laughs> fast as you can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Oh. And that doesn't mean that you're going to sit and speak about all the details and things, but write something, make mm. something, pl- make, make, somebody play it. Mm hear it you know yeah. and and now not to sit only with your synthesizers and with synthetic representation of the sound yeah. it's it's worlds apart mm. working with living people
0: i wonder do you find a big difference if you if it's possible to look outside of um, playing techniques but let's say if you work with violinists because that mm. is closest to my heart mm. if you work with violinists do you hear a difference in how you produce the sound if you are from the Nordic countries as opposed to being from Germany or Austria or I couldn't tell no. I couldn't tell I first mm. of all I I mostly
1: work in I hardly ever you work outside of Norway mm. uh I have been doing that I've been having con- concerts and things but since I work so much with texts for mm. instance and very often in Norwegian yes. Uh, and I'm quite content with that. I mean, I don't have a sort of dream of, of being, uh, you know, going out into the world. And uh, No, I want to work here yes. with people I know. <laughs> yes. You know, and doing something interesting together, you mm. know. So, no, I wouldn't, I couldn't mm. say. Uh, of course it is, um, um, one should be able to hear differences, but I have not uh, invested very much thought into that.
0: No, and actually I haven't either, but I'm a no. bit curious about it because not so long ago, I, um, and it, it was said about the pianist, but he said that the sound is so Nordic, it's so white. And I always, white? yeah, it's so white. And I always wondered about it afterwards. Why white? And what does it? Represent like and what makes it white, and I thought, okay, maybe it's because it's is it but meant to be pure pure color of the
1: skin one is thinking not, about, and no, it's no, not no. white noise, no. I guess. I really I hope, hope not, no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was more the the style, like the they were the character of the uh-huh. sound, and I always wondered about what that person actually meant about it because I was not mm-hmm. so interesting. I I mean, you heard about feeling blue, obviously, which has, represents yeah, something yeah, very different. Yeah. But what does white represent? And is it because it's supposedly it Nordic? Sound nice. no? No, like, it, doesn't, it doesn't No, it <laughs> doesn't. It sounds like bland almost. Yeah, it's,
1: it's it really, you know, I, I'm not sure if I like the <laughs> connotations uh, in
0: this. Uh, but I, I wouldn't be able to no. to say, really. I know that you grew up in a very musical and very artistic household. I mean, your father was also working with film amongst other things and you're yourself a journalist in addition to being a fantastic composer. He always no? called himself a journalist. First before of all, everything. I first of all. See. My mother was a musician. Yes. And I just wonder when did you, what made you go into becoming a composer? Uh, I have been
1: uh, composing as long as I remember. Yeah. Really, and um, that is also, of course, the reason why I didn't become a performer, because I never had um, patience to just practice. I always started to improvise and doing my own works. Mm. Easy, small pieces, works, I mean pieces. But uh, fortunately, I grew up in a family where they appreciated that, and I got a music teacher very early on. Baben Lavig Jonsen was her name. (laughs) And she was um, encouraging me from the beginning. And when we were performing in, in student concerts, uh, also pupil concerts, uh, I was allowed not only to play Mozart or Bach, but I was also allowed to play my own little mm-hmm. pieces. Okay. So in a way, and it was also like this, it was not uh, maybe so um, uh, normal then. Also, there were not so many, uh, women composers, but we had one in the family. That is, we had Mai Sønstål, who hey, was yes. Swedish and married to Gunnar Søndal, and we They were both composers. And um, Gunnar made the music to all my father's films. So they were sort of part of the family. So I always saw those two, Mai and Gunnar, Gunnar mm-hmm. and Mai. <laughs> and Mai was a composer, and we had um, Pauline Hall, yeah. Uh, Norwegian um, uh, composer very very fine uh, and also a uh, critic a very prominent critic so I to begin with I didn't think it was so strange that I was <laughs> composing I just composed yeah. <laughs> and played yeah. and and danced in Bonungdomslage yeah. <laughs> uh, where we also sang it was um, in my in parts of my family I had uh, a very close collaborator to Hilda Garborg. Mm. Clara Sem was her name. So there was a lot also singing um, folk music. My grandmother did, my my Clara, Musta Clara Sem did. Uh, my mother sang also, and my mother was a pianist. So mm. um, and then I played in the in the military band in school, also military, I mean the school band, mm. you know. Yes. Brass.
0: Yeah.
1: So um there's always been um uh, and but then there was uh, yes it was the journalism uh, I also edited the school paper and uh, liked to write um, articles I've always done that so it's been maybe it's not so strange then that the music theater has in one way or the other i've always sort of staged the music in a way even Mm. if it is in a concert hall um i sort of used the room um i think i think i took that with me from wien Mm. i had um, a wonderful teacher Dieter kaufmann the composer there and that was in the electroacoustic studio uh, where Friedrich chera was um, the um, sort of head um, but I've all sort of taken with me a little maybe anecdotic way of um, using the music. I'm not the kind of composer who sits with methods and uh, uh, I don't have uh, I don't have a method mm. okay no And I don't have so um, <laughs> I'm a very intuitive I askladen uh, <laughs> in which fairy tales you know I take what I need Yeah, yeah. And I improvise with it and <laughs> play with it, and um, uh, I've become more and more tonal over the
0: years yeah. um, um, also. Mm. But is that how you, so when you compose a piece, do you have an idea beforehand what you want to mm. achieve? Yes. Yeah. I always have
1: a sense of form. Mm. And if I don't get that sense of form, yeah. If I get a commission or if I, I have to get this sense of form. If I don't get that, I don't do it. Mm-hmm. Or I say, no, I'm sorry. I don't have time or I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but I, am. Um, um, I'm always, um, looking and listening for ideas. So, <laughs> uh, when I have one, um, I start working on it and, mm-hmm. and sort of improvising with it. And, um. I think one very important thing for a composer is that, um, you know, there is this, I have this uh, theory about uh, Gustav Mahler and and um, Edvard Grieg, you know, uh, in this thing that they always had to have these huts yeah. out in the nature <laughs> where they had to, where yes. nobody could disturb them, you know? Yeah, yeah. composer huts. <laughs> yeah, but it was not that they didn't want to be disturbed, mm-hmm. but at that time one was Quite loud when one's working, and when you get this stupid little idea, mm. which is nothing yet, and you start, you know, toying with it, and uh, you don't want anybody to hear you. Yeah, <laughs> so they wanted these huts not to be heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> when that's they why. Were, when they were doing, you know, their first very clumsy sort of uh, um. efforts, you know, with. You know, Of course, it's a joke. But anyway, uh, uh, it is very important if you want to be creative to um, don't be so critical, not to be so critical in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You have to let up and out uh, this most stupid little idea, you know, and and sort of sniff at it (laughs) (laughs) a little, you know, to see. Uh, And... Exactly at that moment, you're very vulnerable. Yeah, And um, after I sort of realized this and started to trust the simplest, most stupid little idea that might come <laughs> up, give it a chance, you
0: know, I have become a much more happy composer. Oh. That's amazing. <laughs> it's so funny to hear how you know, letting your creativity be free as opposed to trying to fit mm-hmm. it into a, you know, system or a structure. But I I read a few places that um, you say that music has to convey something. Do you think that's also a way of keeping it free enough so that it actually can convey something? Or do you sometimes go into a work thinking, oh, this is the message I want to get across and... Compose from that perspective.
1: You know, I'm I'm not uh, uh, I'm not very conscious about what I'm doing. Mm. Actually, I sort of lose myself when I'm mm. working. Uh, I can I lose myself so completely that I can I've worked two or three hours and i thought I started half an hour ago. Also, you know, but. um. The 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 main reason why no you know I don't have uh, I don't I don't have any ideas about what the audience shall experience really I don't but what I I'm quite um I I the the only re- the main reason why I write music is because I want to get in in contact in touch with people mm. for me music is communication. Yeah is the best way of communication I know Oh, Me too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's uh, when you sort of, sort of, somebody has said about music that music can say everything without calling anything by its name. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, um, and that is, um, yeah, no, I don't have, I don't go out with a program. I don't, uh, I go out with, um something that I not always know exactly what is it.
0: Hmm. I'm going to let that sink for a moment. I thought that was very beautifully said. <laughs> um, sorry for giving so many quotes from things you've said, but I really like you. you have, you say so many good things in there, so I need to quote them in this little podcast. <laughs> but okay. uh, another thing that I read you said is that you, and then this is a quote I'm, want to be in a world together with other people who does other things than me. Yeah. Uh, and that it's clearly very important to you to be challenged. Hmm. So I would like to ask you, what do you do to be challenged? What challenges you? Um,
1: <clears throat> there's so much talk nowadays about the fright of um, the fremmed. What is that called? Also the, the, strange. Unknown. As, yeah. also the unknown. Yeah. The unknown, the, the the fright. To be frightened of the unknown, of uh, um, new people, Mm. mm, all that, new cultures. uh, I've always been attracted by it. Mm. I've always been attracted by it. And I do remember when I was 15, 16, something like that, um, I went to a summer school in England.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And we were some friends that went together and I came to London and all the world was there mm. <laughs> fantastic yeah. at the same same time I mean in, in Oslo at that time every, then it was really white Yeah, <laughs> i see <laughs> but uh, but nowadays uh, maybe you read that i said the other day that uh, i love to go to the shopping centers mm. you know in the center of Oslo because yeah. there that's just like london mm. back in the late 60s uh, where all the world was there, and I like that. And I, I like um, people say, oh, the, the people hate uh, shopping centers. I love them. Mm-hmm. To me, they are the modern marketing places, marketplaces. <laughs> and yeah. But apart from that, um, I love all kind of art, mm-hmm. not only music. Um, I think I, I, I. I, I, I I live a quite ordinary life I do what most people uh, do and I feel I feel there is a lot of diversity um, there Um, when I don't have it I seek it up yes I do Mm -hmm. and I I get very triggered triggered Mm -hmm. by the new by something that I haven't experienced before or seen before, heard before Um, yeah I'm I hope I will stay curious until I
0: die. Mm. I'm very sure you will, because <laughs> I, even though you say ordinary, I think you're probably one of the more extraordinary people there is. And, uh, you no, always, I'm, I'm not really not. But you have you such, a, a, uh, yeah. <laughs> but you have such a strong... Know <laughs> <laughs>
1: being, I have a dog and the dog takes me walking. It's, I'm not taking her, she's taking I, me, you
0: know.
1: You so I do all the ordinary boring things. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But I'm, I'm curious to know what it was like to be, and nowadays maybe it's not so popular to say, you know, use the term female composer, but I'm still very curious what it was like to be a female composer in... You know, like in the 80s, in the 90s. I mean, do you feel like it has changed a lot since then? How you're being perceived? So the, first, I mean, you know, the
1: first teacher I got in Vienna, he thought mm-hmm. that there the was a waste of time to have me there because he <laughs> okay. said women, uh, girls, they marry and then they don't compose anymore. So, so it's, it's a waste of time. Okay. But I changed teachers. <laughs> <laughs> I said goodbye (laughs) to him and I found another one. It's not Dieter Kaufmann, but one uh, in the the theoretical field, um, Alfred Uhl was his name. And he was a very nice man and he was not like that. So, but apart from that, I must say that um, my generation, women, um, feminism became a very strong factor. So I can't say that I have ever felt repressed. But that doesn't mean that repression wasn't there because I was very privileged. I have grown up in the most of privileged countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I was privileged with family. I was privileged with, with possibility, opportunities. I've had all the opportunities and all the things that I needed. But um, there is... Uh, there is a structural, has been, uh, so you can just see, you know, of the percentages of what is being performed, what is being talked about, and, and so on and so forth. Of course, there is a male chauvinism in a musical life, very strongly so. And, and and we still have to make sure that, uh, that we get a, a better balance. But um, it is true that uh, with my generation, we had the feminism and we had... The, the, the artist's um, action mm. uh, for for rights, for, for performers and creators, um, which I took part in and um, which led me in contact with many, many other artists from other fields. And there was a strong feeling among all the women uh, there, uh, all my generation, and also the ideal. You know, it, the interesting thing is now before the last war. Mm-hmm. We talk about the war and of course <laughs> there have been many wars since then, but not in in our part of the world. Mm-hmm. Before then, when I look at my grandmother and, and you know, they were working and they had come very far. Mm-hmm. But then came the war. Yeah. And then came the after war. And yeah. then all the women were knocked back into the kitchen because everything was going to be so safe and nice and cozy again. Mm. And the children and school and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was a setback. Yeah. Really. Uh, and um, for them, but not yeah. for us. No. They made sure that we, at yeah. least, you know, was not going to, be to, to, to feel that we were inferior or that we couldn't do the same things
0: as our brothers and friends. So it was the freedom generation in a way. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I know also that um, you have worked a lot with also with other um, female um, artists, in, yes. in, particularly female artists. It has yes. also been a conscious choice?
1: You know, it hasn't really been that, but mm-hmm. it's been that I needed, when I started to work as a composer, I needed... Um, of course, uh, we talked about female composers and how I had been. I had had female um, composers in my family when I grew up. But later on, I was very much alone before many others came. Mm. And I needed very much... Um, also, forbilder, what do
0: you call that? Like um, uh, someone to
1: look up to. Yeah, uh, yeah. to see, uh, to, see yeah. Um, to see myself in other mm. artists. Yeah. I feel also that... Uh, um, that uh, um, gender is very important. Very important. I feel that I and I've said that many times now in the past weeks when when <laughs> we've had these things happening, that I have never. I feel that I have never written one note that hasn't, so, in one way, signaled that I'm a woman. Hmm. And I would think that it's the same as if when you talk about a famous um, male author and everything, when was he born, where was he born, what has he written, and everything of that is important, but not that he's a man.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's silly. It is. And you see it quite often, even in small things, like if you talk about someone, you have more often than not, you get... The female, she always get the title and mother of if she has mm. children. Mm. The male almost never get and father of, mm. you know, like it's mm. always the, it, it is definitely quite a big change where you, maybe it comes a bit back to what you said before, like that's still, you know, that was supposed to be the ideal back mm. really back in the day, but mm. it's interesting. It's still in our society.
1: Because, mm. it, and, and it, I've also experienced um, uh, uh, when we had this um, f- um, celebration of... Um, the female vote in Norway some years back. I took part in a concert in Kristiansand where the whole orchestra, they were just female musicians. The conductor was female. Hmm. All the participants, us and the composers, were were also women. And the the conductor said afterwards that she had never experienced this lack of fright. (laughs) You know, it was such a relaxed situation working with this orchestra. Wow! It wasn't this competition, this you know, <laughs> where is the mistake <laughs> and blah 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 blah. And you know, oh. it was not like that at all. And that was we were sitting, many of us in the train back, and they were and, and talking about this, and, and it and everybody had had this experience that. And that doesn't mean, of course, that we are going to start just female orchestras and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, I don't mean that. Seen this female but orchestra. But it was an interesting <laughs> experience, yeah, yeah. you know, that um, that
0: um, that the atmosphere was so different. Mm. What do you think are some of them? I mean, we spoke a little bit about the keywords for what could identify as Nordic, but what do you think are other elements? Like, for instance, nature, that could be an element or folk music, that's another one. What was what the, the first word you say? Uh, what elements and yeah. uh, nature was the first nature, one I said, yeah. yeah. Mm. And I think, I mean, do you also think that nature has played a big part in compositions and how it sounds? Yes, but I think yeah? that everything. also like, mm. like
1: we said in the beginning, also mm. the light, the um, the the seasons. Mm. The I think it's um, if you live in a in a city and go to cafes all the time, I think you write a different music <laughs> than if you live in Bergen and. Uh, yeah.
0: Sit out at <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like a you know, certain uh, Mr. Grigg did. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes uh, exactly. Yeah. What do you think is the, if you look aside from the folk music traditions, what would you say is the kind of difference between, I mean, if you look at our neighbor, Sweden, you know, what is the difference between what you would call the kind of Swedish uh, music compared to Norwegian? I remember my my teacher at the
1: the, um, music school in Oslo at the university, uh, Finn Martensson, he said Mm -hmm. that after the war, the Swedish composers, they all went to Germany and to Darmstadt Mm -hmm. immediately, you know, and got all the impulses from there. Whereas the Norwegian composers, they did not. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were—they hated Germany, and they, it was the last place on earth that they wanted to go. So it took a while mm. before they did that.
0: Yeah.
1: So you could say the Swedish contemporary music scene was more worldly earlier mm. than the Norwegian scene was. Um, but apart from that, I don't know um, the Swedish music scene so well that I could that I could uh, pin it down, you know, hmm. but they have, yeah, um, yeah, they, they became um, more more European, more worldly, more European, maybe more German, <laughs> in a way, uh, <laughs> earlier than yeah. uh, since that was where it was happening in Darmstadt. Yeah. And we had other impulses and the Nordic music days. Been a very important institution. There, it's been more sort of um, maybe yeah. Also for us, also the the American music, as John Cage, mm. uh, and um, also French music, very much has, has been very important to the Norwegian scene. I don't know in what extent mm. um,
0: that has played a, a, such a big part in in Swedish music. You know, we often talk about Nordic music and the one word that comes up a lot is melancholy. Oh, yes. Um, at the same time, it's quite a um, opposite feel we have in, let's say, in our fairy tales in Norway. If You talked about Askeladen earlier yeah. and like <laughs> that kind of incredible optimism yeah, of, yes, true. you can do anything. That's yeah. just as you put your mind to it. Do you think that somehow is a typical Norwegian thing
1: as opposed to? Well, a- first of all, melancholy is not a Norwegian Uh, character evil. I mean melancholy you find melancholy in music everywhere Mm. so we can't um, have a monopoly on that (laughs) but I haven't thought about that but that's true the fairy tales they are they're
0: not very melancholic no they're almost to the brink of being um too it seems too impossible too good to be true but then he wins the princess and half the kingdom and lives happy ever after like it's very it's very optimistic actually that's right Hmm. <laughs> I love that they gave you something to think about.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I mean, I was brought up with the fairy tales, uh, and um, and of course also the Danish ones and mm. the, the German ones. Yes. So, hmm, maybe. But I think my experience is that folk culture has many, many similar trends. All over the world, and even if you if you if you look at the the costumes mm. and the colors in in Norwegian costumes, you can find them in Latin America. Yeah. You can find them. <laughs> you know, you find them every. It's um, the folk culture has, and especially we who are, who are ship people also sailors. The folk music travels all around the world mm. and takes with it home, you know, so many things. So we are not so different, we humans. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we are more similar than we like to think. We are. We absolutely are. And I just wish more people would remember that from yes, time to time. Yes. Pray. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Sina, I want to thank you so, so much for oh, thank you. Uh, having this conversation, sharing your thoughts. It's been incredibly interesting and enlightening, and I, um, I really f- learned a lot from you. So thank you so much. I am thanking you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining me for The Nordics Unveiled. My name is El Wilhelm Singh, and I hope you will continue following my next episodes on your favorite podcast platform. The music in the introduction is from Edward Griggs' Violin Sonata in g Major, Opus 13, with myself on violin and pianist Simon Trepczewski, released on BIS Records.